Hello listeners, it's lovely to have you here. Uh, my name is Rachel Williams and I'm the assistant producer for Megacity London, funded by the Royal Academy of Engineering. Today I'll be speaking to Stephanie Bitford-Smith, the artist exploring what Megacity London could look like as the population rises to over 10 million people. Stephanie is an artist and designer who utilises fun-making methods to challenge standpoints and knowledge frameworks to surface new ways of engaging with complex subjects. Stephanie works across disciplines and mediums, adopting techniques from ethnography, visual arts, performance and speculative design. She's also a longtime guerrilla science collaborator and has created some truly gorgeous set design over the years in our venues and festivals, such as at Secret Garden Party. Stephanie will be creating three audiovisual illustrations for Megacity London, using storytelling to create futuristic glimpses into our lives in the not so far away future. So, Stephanie, welcome. How's it going? Hello, Rachel. What an introduction. Thank you <laughs> very much. Um, I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. Um, Yay. <laughs> yeah, obviously I'm excited to be working on this project and just look forward to answering any questions. Awesome. And it's so nice to have you here on the podcast, especially because of your long history of guerrilla science, which is, you know, partially our history together. So, yeah, super excited to chat with you. Mm. Um, so we've introduced you to the team of graduate engineers from Mott McDonald. And it's honestly been so fascinating to hear about your own artwork and the kind of projects that you take on. So could you tell us a little bit about your work and what inspires you? I'm interested in finding ways to challenge people's perspectives as a way to unlock new ways of thinking. Mm. Um, so I have like different ways and approaches that I um, kind of go to to do this and explore. But one of the the two kind of consistent things I use is one of them is using a um, character, like characters or a role, and also humour. So um, to kind of give you a bit of insight, what I mean when I say like a character, um, I tend to, when I'm developing a project and I'm, I'm looking through research, I'm also looking for a character's perspective as an entry point. Um, so the character I create doesn't always have to be, um, for example, like a human. Mm. Sometimes it could be um, a bacteria cell mm. or it could be the character, for example, of a hamster, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And that's so fascinating in terms of just shifting those perspectives. And I suppose you're in the character, but the audience also ends up embodying some of that character as well. Is exactly, and, and I find that by getting people to s step out of their normal um, character, their normal role of who they are in their day-to-day, -day, it helps them embrace a new way of thinking because they're no longer constrained by their normal preconceptions. Mm -hmm. Another kind of key tool I also like to try and use is um, humour. Mm -hmm. So I find humour is like a really useful tool um, again for softening preconceptions so by creating kind of bringing in a humor it basically allows for a more playful space which means that people can really embrace play and fun making and therefore explore new ideas without feeling like there's a right or wrong 
helps them feel less rigid in their mm. ways of questioning the way they think about ideas and, and their preconceptions. Um, and I also think like with humour, um, it can also bring a kind of personal, less formal approach to an artwork. Mm. And sometimes when you have an artwork or a design work, it can feel like it's so serious and that we feel that we have to try and um, kind of up ourselves and our intellectual ability to try and engage in it. Whereas I feel if you kind of break down that barrier, it makes it more engageable Mm. for a wider audience and it gets you quicker to the point of thinking differently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's so interesting. And going back to what you were saying about like broadening your mind and taking in different perspectives, like one thing that a lot of us have experienced through that is like traveling and the experience of going to different places and living in different places. Um, And, you know, we've known each other for a while. And one thing that has always struck me is how much of a global person you are. So where did you grow up and how was your journey into the world of the arts? So I grew up um, sort of between Cornwall and Wiltshire in the countryside. Mm. Um, so it was very English um, and very kind of, yeah, in land and all by the sea. Mm. Um, and then at the age of 18, I bought a one-way ticket to Rome wow. because... Well, because I was uh, well young and eighteen and full of uh, full of an ambitious energy, but also I just didn't know what to do at university, and I was really overwhelmed by all these decisions. Mm. So I I relocated to Rome, and whilst I was in Rome, I began a kind of my life journey of immersing myself in different cultures. Um, which then has spread on and on, even to a point of me doing a residency in Japan, for example, trying to become Japanese. Um, but then when I kind of look back to the, the earlier days of being in the countryside, mm-hmm. um, I really, and I reflect on, you know, how when I was younger did my artistic flair start to grow? Mm. And I can confidently say it was really my mum who um kind of nurtured my creativity um, as she was a <laughs> as she was a painter and, and a gardener um and she also you know she was a cool cool mum to have because she was doing um an art foundation course as a mature student wow. and she used to bring me along and I used to paint with her and, and do these briefs so she kind of saw that we shared that yeah um, Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so lovely. You must have such lovely memories from tagging along with your mum. Yeah, definitely have. uh, It was definitely cool. I remember (laughs) feeling cool at the age of seven, Mm -hmm. going in and painting massive canvases or making funny objects and listening to funky 60s music. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. And I guess... You know, Mega City London's all about fostering collaboration between artists and engineers. And throughout the process, I've been so intrigued by how that distinction between the artist and the engineer actually isn't that well defined. And a lot of the engineers we're working with have interests in the arts. So, for example, one was even an architect before becoming an engineer. 
and you know the other way vice versa Frankenstein the artist exploring life below ground is like a total tech geek and I wonder like where does your interest in science and your desire to work on these kinds of topics come from and was it a factor in you know choosing to get involved with the project for example? So I think as a as an artist, as a creative person, I don't always label myself as an artist. I also label myself as a designer. Um, and I, I think for me, where I got drawn to working with uh, scientists and, and people from different disciplines was as I've been concentrating on different skills of best ways of communicating and making and visualizing, other people have been developing knowledge and understanding mm. like different techniques and, and opening up these new worlds. Mm. And as an artist, it's uh, as, an, as a creative, it's fascinating to jump in and and learn about these worlds yeah. and and to really get this kind of excitable um imagination kind of going with what what could happen in this world in the future um where are the possibilities what does this world like look like under a macro lens and under a micro lens mm. and i find that is really exciting and when you're working with like scientists and engineers who've got such a wealth of knowledge. Mm. Um, it's fascinating because you kind of soundboarding ideas and asking questions that you're, you know, when I'm thinking about, oh, could this happen or that happen? And they can provide a sense of logic to my creative <laughs> madness. Mm. And I think it's lovely to have people asking those kinds of questions. And like when you talk about the possibilities, like for me, um, when I'm thinking about my own like scientific work, getting to talk to people who aren't experts in it really does open up that space to like think in a totally new, like bigger, uninhibited way. So yeah, it's brilliant that, you know, you recognize that space of possibilities as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, and the more, the more kind of collaboration work I do with different disciplines I think the more I get to understand myself and my practice as a creative person mm. and to recognize how like I have a license to use imagination and playfulness yeah. and humor yeah. as a way to explore more sincere serious real life topics and discoveries mm -hmm. and I think by having that collaboration and, and having that contrast of the two different ways of approach to work, mm -hmm. you get to learn more and develop more as well. Yeah. And I wonder then going back to the project, what were your impressions of specifically engineering and what engineering might look like and how have these changed during the process? So when I, when I think back to what I thought of engineering before I had a more of a kind of, I guess I had a romantic standpoint of what I thought engineering was about. Mm. Um, and in my mind, they were these kind of walking master brains of maths and physics. Mm. And they spoke in tongues of um, <laughs> yeah. equations and, um, yeah, and uh, 
things that I just couldn't get my head around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that um, also that they wouldn't be necessarily so interested in um, someone like myself who's mm. coming and just challenging and playing and, and yeah. creating in a different way. Mm. Um, but then during this, you know, this collaboration, um, I've learned that, you know, as you learn when you talk to the different people, they're just normal people doing the jobs and it's not like a specific person. Mm. It's more, um, and also because engineering is so wide and it, there's so many different types of engineering yeah. that it's, um, you know, it's massive. So um, you can't pigeonhole um what these people are like who, who've perceived this um career who've, who've mm. taken up this career path yeah um but i think one thing that i really learned um which i hadn't ref- really thought about before was that a lot of engineering is about problem solving mm. and then the sort of m- more mathematic side of um of the engineering world is more like tools to help with the problem solving yeah Mm. and then when I learned that then that kind of was really interesting in seeing how how similar the kind of more creative art and design world is and space is to engineering Mm. because at the end of the day we're all problem solving we're just using different tools Um, definitely yeah and I guess this is an off-the-cuff question but what kind of problems do you see your work as trying to solve or what are the issues that drive you to create your art so if I'm working more on sort of independent solo work it tends to be more focused on um, social issues and social divides Mm -hmm. and looking at finding ways that we can bridge these divides by creating little connections Mm -hmm. Um, through flipping perspectives and um, exploring using kind of ethnographic techniques and performance techniques and and particularly when I'm doing independent stuff I use myself as a tool as well Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I'm looking at more collaborative projects I think then the problem solving is more about me trying to work out how to best create this research body more engaging to to people who are not professionals in that industry Mm. so then that that's the kind of wider brief I set myself and then as I go into the projects I then work out the kind of more intricate places and, and things that aren't being communicated that could be interesting for people to know and learn about mm yeah that's really interesting to think of you're like embodying so many different perspectives at once in that sense then you're kind of the all-seeing eye (laughs) 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 yeah so I guess as well you've had a unique view on the project because not only are you creating um this new original work you've also been developing our school workshops. So as part of the Mega City London project, students from across London have been taking on fictional roles and building districts in response to the challenges that Londoners are due to face. 
So could you tell us a little bit about the world that you've created and what goes on in those workshops? From my experience, working with young people is always really exciting and there's a lot of energy and it's always fascinating to just see how young people take ideas and just springboard and create things. Mm-hmm. So within this opportunity um, of creating these workshops, I basically, you know, it was important for me to create the right fun space that allowed the pupils, the, the young people, to explore different skills that they would need or might use if they were to be engineers in the future. Right. But without them feeling restricted and weighted down mm. with kind of constraints of responsibility or talking too heavily about the real grown-up world. Mm-hmm. So when I was designing the workshop, I, you know, I borrowed techniques from speculative design um, where I created a future scenario right which is set in so the future scenario is set in 2050 Mm. in a mega city where due to a pandemic anyone over the age of 20 has to work at home Mm -hmm. everyone under the age of 20 and particularly the teenagers run the cities and they're the ones who are in the main buildings. They start to make main decisions mm. and therefore they're starting to shape the cities according to what the young people want from a city mm. and what they perceive as important. Which is already such a big like flip in the power structure of how things work at the moment and how things get built. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, and in, and in a way, So then as an approach to um, get the young people to kind of think about um, problem solving and thinking about um, systems as well and how the different industries relate to each other and work together and where there are problems, where there are issues and how they should all be positioned within a city space, I created these fictional industry titles which are taken from papers written about future mega cities, mm. and then I've done a word search and taken the most popular words, paired them up, and come up with these um, very nonsensical industry titles. Yeah. Um, so, for example, we've got a uh, smog trader <laughs> in District One. Mm. Um, we've also got reptile generators. Mm. Um, recreational space cultivators so they're they're kind of nonsensical they're playful but we can also we can try and work uh, work out a sort of logic behind what they might do in this future then with these playful industry titles the pupils then design their industry and they have these discussions about who should be where how the industries relate to each other, yeah. what energy sources they need, mm. um, what hindrances and problems and challenges are going to be between them. And then from this, what they're doing is they're really kind of exploring problem solving mm. and different system analysis, mapping and, and uh, challenges. Wow. Whilst, yeah. It's, so it's like you were mentioning before, you kind of open up that big space of possibility 
and then you bring the engineering in and get them problem solving and by the end they're doing something quite complex but it just feels like it feels like fun <laughs> yeah yeah um exactly because because i think that um fun is the key word to excite people about careers and mm. um, the future and i think um, especially young people and often we forget we forget to make it fun mm. um so it's uh yeah it's key and then you know then they get to also just feel like oh i was actually quite good at that problem solving part mm. um you know that's that's the hope anyway yeah and that's how you empower them i guess to see themselves as potential future engineers not so much based on you know what the grades are at the moment or you know how well they get along with a certain teacher like yeah i really think what you're doing is kind of you know it sounds boring to say transferable skills but to <laughs> to help people see you know what they're potentially capable of which might be bigger than the frameworks they already have to think about their own achievements i guess yeah yeah it's it's yeah i think it's it's you know it's interesting to think like um if you're 14 and for a few hours you get to see what it would be like if you were an engineer mm. and not to be told talked to about what engineering is but to just have a go and, and mm. play with some of the skills um yeah that's awesome that's awesome and going back to the artwork that you're going to produce and create uh, for mega city london what aspects of engineering are you particularly inspired by for that? So whilst I've been uh, reading and um, about the engineers and, and what they do and their different jobs and also, you know, doing their follow-up interviews on Zoom, I found it really interesting, the relationship between the expanding population mm. of these cities and the limited space for development. And I'm really interested in how these two are going to directly, how these two directly affect each other mm. and how these mega cities keep, will have to keep on adapting themselves and being innovative in how they adapt. Mm. In response to that, the inhabitants will also have to be adapting themselves right. to, to adjust to the new way of lifestyle that that city will dictate. Mm. So I'm really interested in this back and forward relationship. And so therefore, I've been thinking about what, what will those restrictions be? And um, what will it be like to live like in the middle of these expanding cities? Mm. And how will our behaviours adapt? So I've been thinking then about um, how they'll kind of adapt in relation to beyond the human world as well mm. and how will we find space in these cities to connect to nature right um, and alongside that i've been becoming more interested um, after my latest call with fluid dynamics mm. and the flow so i'm interested in how the flow of fluids so gases and liquids kind of are kind of flowing in between the spaces of these buildings and how they're filling up the spaces which are getting narrower and smaller. Hmm. 
That's so and, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, so this is the kind of area I'm interested in exploring, mm. um, and I'm interested in exploring this area um, through the lens of some characters within the cityscape. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned some of the calls and the meetings that we've had. Um, and throughout, I felt like so lucky to just witness your creative process because it <laughs> honestly puts like anything I've ever done as <laughs> a producer or a PhD student to shame. Like it's just so detailed, but the ideas just seem to flow so freely. Like, could you tell us a bit about your creative process and maybe like describe some of the like beautiful diagrams that I have seen you create? Because they're like art in themselves. Like I've just bowled over. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess oh, you're very, you're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it how it is. <laughs> oh, too complimentary. Um, so I think yeah. So when I'm when I my so how do I how do I approach these projects? I guess what I do is I, I follow my instinct and I follow where I start to feel something exciting is growing. Mm. And um, that was quite quite easy with this particular engineering project because there were loads of different avenues um, to explore. So, um, so then as a visual thinker, um, I need to use kind of uh, ways to visualize this information and break it up so it's not like hugely dense um, text and mm -hmm. or, or interviews so I tend to then map use like mapping software to kind of map out all these points of conversation that I find interesting and I color code them and then I will then from that then start to map links across different people and different things mm. to then lift up themes on top that I think could be interesting mm. and then alongside that I will be um, familiarizing myself with um, different artworks that I feel capture themes that I'm interested in mm. and I tend to quite like looking across different mediums so not just art or visual communication but also music and mm. writing and um and also textiles like quilting so I'm, I'm always interested in like kind of collecting and collating uh, themes and ideas through mapping and also alongside that collecting and collating visuals across mediums or techniques mm -hmm. that um, are also kind of exploring similar themes. Yeah, that's, yeah, fantastic. And the way that you just kind of weave everything together is, yeah, inspiring. <laughs> yeah, it's, it can look a bit bonkers sometimes, my little studio space. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you need, though. You need to go through your bonkers phase before everything kind of falls into place it's like the moment of an explosion before everything starts falling down to the ground like you've got to have a bit of chaos <laughs> and you're you know you're totally right there because i think sometimes um it's it's it can be really easy to try and resolve some um an art project or to, you know any project um 
quite quickly and say, this is what I'm going to make. And now I'm just trying to find the flesh to, to fill it out. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, from my experience um, and my process and um, the way I attempt, my, the way I approach artworks is I have to keep that quite open and quite flexible. Mm. I'll always be that how the end will look. I'm always kind of sketching out ideas, but I know it's really important to just keep patient and persistent on going through the explosion and then looking at all the pieces that have landed in the ground and where they've landed and then relaxing into how they form together. Mm. Um, Yeah. That's a really like wonderful way to think about it. Like I'm definitely going to keep that in my mind for myself as well. Just go through the explosion. You're nearly there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really, it's really, um, it's hard to keep that perseverance Yeah. Uh, sometimes, but I think whenever I try to fast track, you actually slow everything down and you make more strain, mm-hmm. you're not being natural according to how the project needs to unfold. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess like with all of that flexibility and possibility in mind, could you give us a bit of a sneak peek into what you're planning and what we'll finally get to experience in September? So what I'm exploring is how will we preserve space for us to connect to beyond the human world? So how we will connect to nature, other elements of nature than ourselves in these cities which are becoming more and more overcrowded and have higher and higher demands for um the activities of humans Mm -hmm. and i'm really so i'm really interested in exploring this avenue and i will be just demonstrating a few ways that um could be could be techniques that we might use to connect with beyond the the human world Mm. Um, and I will be doing that in the situation of living inside the city. Mm. Um, and there will be, um, the artwork will be mixed medium. Um, (laughs) mixed medium with a bit of, uh, audio as well as visual. Fantastic. Well, (laughs) I'm absolutely on the edge of my seat I can't wait like I'm really excited to see (laughs) everything that comes out of what you have planned um so Stephanie thank you so much for sharing a bit about your art and a bit about yourself as well and how can people find out more about you that's a good question um always welcome for tips there yeah (laughs) Uh, no, so I've got a website um, that's mainly which has got my artwork on it, mm-hmm. um, uh, projects which will be updated again soon because it needs mm-hmm. an update. Um, and yeah, I also have my Instagram um, mm-hmm. page, but mainly it's my website. And I'm always open for people to fling me an email for questions or yes. um, meeting up to discuss potential work or people's mm-hmm. projects themselves. Amazing. And it's just stephaniebickfordsmith.com? 
.co.uk. .co.uk. See, this is why I always have to ask. <laughs> Just to double check. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Stephanie. You've been an amazing guest and thanks for being on the podcast. That's it for today's episode of Guerrilla Science Presents. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear from artist Stephanie Bickford-Smith on her contributions towards the Mega City London season, which will run from Monday the 21st to Sunday the 27th of September 2020. As always, if you'd like to find out more about us, then please do find us on social media by searching for Guerrilla Science, that's G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A Science, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. That's all from us. Have a lovely day.